Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And together we are Catching Up on Cinema. And uh, thank you for joining us here. Uh, Today we're doing a triple threat recording. Uh, And with us here is our guest host, uh, my brother Matt. How you doing? Um, So this is his, what, third show with us together? I believe so, yes. Um, So we're doing something a little different this time. Uh, None of us are catching up on any cinema this time. Actually, have the other two that he's been on actually been posted? Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, You jackass. (laughs) Way to steal my thunder. Surprise. (laughs) Um, So today, we're going to be working off of a concept that a friend of mine suggested. And that is uh, discussing the concept of adaptations or reboots or reimaginings in a positive light. So in this instance, like taking a media property of some sort, a media franchise, and dreaming up or coming up with a pitch for like a reboot or a reimagining of of that property committed to film. Uh, So this can be something that has already been adapted to film, uh, like Superman or something. It's been done many times on film, but if if one of us has a unique take on it that we'd like to bring forth, uh, this is the time that we're going to use to talk about it. So uh, ahead of time, the three of us tried our best (laughs) to come up with at least one i think the initial pitch was three ideas that got whittled down to two and now it seems like we all have at least one although my brother put us all to shame and he showed up with three ready to go me and kyle seem to have like one strong one i just got another one uh actually talking about michael wincott in um in three musketeers oh fantastic yep just got me um so uh being as he is our guest host today uh i will give my brother Matt, the floor to uh, give us his uh, first reboot, adaptation, reimagining, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> well, obviously, the first movie we need to discuss is The Dark Backward. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you ass! <laughs> oh, no, by the no, way, no, 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 not at all. None of us know exactly what Get each one's bringing house. to the table. <laughs> no, uh, actually, what I was thinking about movie, it's it is it's one of those things like you. Th- in theory, you would think we would have so many ideas, especially being fans of cinema, that there should be a million different ways you can go with this. But the problem is, is they've remade so many things yeah. in recent years, especially. And we happen to be of the target age where they're really, really hitting us hard with remakes, you know, or sequels or reimaginations to try to play to that nostalgia factor. So the first one I thought of was going back a few years before our time. Uh, that was The Warriors. Oh, I thought The Warriors would be a fantastic movie in this day and age to reimagine. Just because I like that, like, hyper goofy atmosphere of that film, where it took, like, gang culture, but not seriously at all. Mm -hmm. Like, and and I think that that's something we need more in movies. Like, I think (laughs) movies have gotten a little too hyper real as of late. Like, a lot of the movies, especially we discuss on, you know, I've discussed with you guys at least, it. Seems like they were more of that classic popcorn fare where you didn't really think. You kind of showed up and you tuned out and you just took in whatever you're seeing. And Warriors, to me, a perfect example of that. It's just basically a beat-em-up movie, like beat-em-up video game only in movie form. You can literally write in anything to the plot you need to. And you can make it really colorful, really goofy, and throw in any sort of guest actors you want. Oh yeah, no, I, I could totally see like a Brad Pitt showing up for a cameo or something because that seems to be like 
his thing is to have minor roles in these big giant movies. Was, was the Warriors before Colors? Because I think Colors was a huge it, part of. Game I want to say it was just before, and I think Colors was the first one that took it kind of serious. Very seriously, yeah. That's and there's a lot of gang movies after that movie. Like that, yeah. that was the first big one. Um, but yeah, that that makes sense. There there was a there was a shift. There was a clear shift. Uh, what about Lost Boys? Were they technically? I mean, they were vampires, but they were kind of a gang at the same time. Kind of, but it, very different context. Because I mean, that was set in like a remote location. Uh, whereas the Warriors is like New York now belongs to the gangs. I saw those two around the same time when I was very young. So in terms it, of production design, they share a lot in common. Okay, I mean Joel Schumacher also made DC Cab, <laughs> which shares <laughs> which shares a lot of aesthetic similarities to uh, the Warriors. Okay, did Schumacher do one of those movies? The Lost Boys. Oh, he did Lost Boys. I didn't yeah. know that. Put your, okay. think, put your thinking cap on. You can find him. In okay, fine. Okay, fine. <laughs> it's like, it's I was definitely gonna, a Schumacher product. Okay. I was going to say, though, like, I think it, it's funny you bring up the Lost Boys because, like, I think in a more classical sense of what we would all assume a gang to be, like, because clearly we know nothing. No, we have <laughs> Um But just, like, Lost Boys probably is more of a classic example. And I think where what I liked about the Warriors was the era it was filmed in it would have been so easy to just play up the racial angle of it all. But, in fact, every gang in it is multicultural. Like, yeah. that was one of the big things, especially at that time when race was such a huge issue. Like, it still is, but, like, kind of at the forefront of everything at that time. I think, like, they remade uh, Red Dawn. Red Dawn was a cool, cool 80s movie. Like, that was... It, it was kind of it was an exciting eighties like action movie like we're being invaded by was it Russia or it was Russia oh yeah, yeah. Russia USSR. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a dumb question yeah come by on. way of Cuba <laughs> by way of Cuba yes so, yes so. they had to get here somehow um, <laughs> but then they remade Red Dawn and they went completely serious with it and it just it yeah, they took all the fun thump. out of it yeah yeah it it yeah it came it came in and went out like a fart <laughs> so how how could we do how could they remake Warriors and still kind of keep that well, the brilliant part is that you can go any way you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is you you could take the basic structure of something like The Expendables, but you can make it up from people from any avenue. Like, I think what makes it neat is you can bring in people from different aspects of media, like, uh, you know, rappers. You can bring in YouTube stars. You can bring in anybody. Yeah. Like, you could just throw it all together and make a big hodgepodge, and the basic plot line that line lends itself to that yeah the plot of that movie like despite the it's actually kind of a high concept idea because you know the entirety of new york is overrun with gangs there's one guy who's trying to bring them all together can you dig it um (laughs) he is assassinated uh tink 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 uh warriors come out to play um but the actual (laughs) events that play out over the course of the film is just are the the titular warriors going from subway like going from train to train trying to escape so yeah. it's, it's basically just a, a group of young people on the run and yeah. they they encounter all sorts of different gangs each one just kind of a goofy variant like the classic famous one is the baseball clowns yeah, the baseball furies baseball furies yeah where they're all wearing clown mat makeup and baseball get-ups and carry bats yeah but if you think about it, it's like perfect example like you you mentioned the can you dig at the very beginning like Shaquille O'Neal has used that line multiple times in interviews and stuff. Why not cast him in that role? Because if anybody's <laughs> going to be the godfather of all gang 
gangs. Like, why wouldn't it be Shaq in our <laughs> fictional universe? I no, mean, yeah, no, that'd be she... awesome. This seven foot two giant just <laughs> bellowing to this mass of all sorts of multicultural gangs. Like, well, I mean, you could you could dial up because, um, as far as I understand, the Warriors was a low budget film when it was made. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's the same guy who directed the first Undisputed. Oh. Uh, which we talked about the sequel on the show mm-hmm. um, if you dialed up the production design like if you actually brought some some money to the proceedings like I could see it totally being like a think like the the Shredder's Lair and Ninja Turtles or something uh, like just really intricate sets and like really elaborate costumes it would be almost like Mad Max but with like Mad Max meets Escape from New York I was going to say, I'm going to counter with a movie they should not try to reimagine, and that's Escape from New York. No. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's, probably, it's probably going to happen. Yeah. But, yeah, they absolutely should not, especially since the charm of that movie, as proven by the sequel... Is the production. Is Yeah. It's the subtlety. Yeah. Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, everyone's looking at me. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's... Uh, that's Exactly, yeah. Like, I think that the only movies that really should be remade or reimagined are things like, like I said, The Warriors, where it's so open-ended. Yeah. You can take it any direction you want it to go. Like, Escape from New York is, it's a classic. Like, what are you going to do? Make better sets? No. Make, you know, no, I mean, it's... if you put a new coat of paint on that, it wouldn't be worth your time. Like, right. Like, really, what's, what's there is fine. It's good enough. And they did so much with so little in that movie that it, it's almost like a crime to try to try to do it again. You're gonna say Mortal Kombat, aren't you? No, as a reimagining. No, no, no. I wouldn't do that to you, Kyle. Because <laughs> that one just no, popped in my uh, head. So. Uh, flips page and notebook. No, uh, no, of course not, Kyle. I don't know why that just popped <laughs> in my head. Like, God damn it. Um. <laughs> Uh, no, um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna jump in here real quick. Yeah, and this is a very small one. I'm just gonna mention it real quick. I've mentioned this several times to you yeah. about um, they need to remake those Batman movies. You know, we just don't have enough of them. <laughs> Can we get those rebooted? <laughs> um, no, uh, I, reimagining the Joker. Um, very topical, given that we have yes. a new Joker film on the way. And we have uh, who's a Caesar Romero? Uh, Caesar Romero, the original Joker, or well, whatever. Yeah. Um, Jack Nicholson, fun Joker. You have Heath Ledger, awesome Joker. Jer- um, and yeah, then, that, that other Joker. <laughs> um, but now we're seeing the Joker from a different standpoint. This is pre-Joker, but like before he becomes Joker. Proto-Joker. Proto-Joker. Proto-Clown. Um, and I don't know if you could even do a whole movie with it, but I, I thought that it would be interesting to see Joker actually in Arkham. Like he's, in, I don't think I've ever seen him in, like actually in the asylum, like... Almost like a silence of the... Like, he'd have to be like a, a Hannibal Lecter kind of character where there's somebody worse than the Joker out there and Batman has to go talk to him. Um, and I think that would be kind of interesting to see him just behind bars and... How about you use that as a framing device? And you cut back to him and he's like recounting memories or something in his own mind. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're stuck in there with him and we keep cutting back to him in his cell just like, you know... Yeah sleeping or something and then he's daydreaming and he's like remembering yeah i remember that time i punched batman in the face with like my pumpkin gun or whatever that was fucking cool it's cool I'd but co- like it's his memories so like we did like we were talking about with the dark backward it's skewed <laughs> like things are amplified and yeah. jo- jokerified that would be actually be interesting if you're going from like the dark back 
I don't know how we're still doing this. <laughs> Fucking how are we dark, still man. getting it? It just but yeah, lingers. <laughs> like that, like we're viewing things from John Bender's mind, basically, where this right. is how he's perceiving. <laughs> but I wanted to mention because we, Trevor and I, just did uh, one on uh, uh, Three Musketeers, and I told we were trying to figure out who could play the Joker. Um, someone else figured out Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> Apparently. Which I feel like was so obvious, but nobody guessed. Yeah, it. I had the same reaction. I was like, like fuck, "Fuck, it was right there." Yeah, why? Why am I thinking about like Paul Dano and stuff when Joaquin Phoenix is just right there? But I had this moment when I was rewatching uh, Alien Resurrection, and there's a scene where Michael Wincott is uh, the character actor, Michael Wincott, um, raspy voice guy. Um, he's smoking and drinking, and he smiles, and he kind of has a long nose, and he's like. Not a bad smile. It's like it's pretty big. I'm He's like, got a toothy smile and some serious dimples. He looks like what the Joker would be. The but... lighting in that scene has a particular flavor to it that suits him beautifully. Yeah, like it makes his skin look almost gray. And I'm like, like the Joker <laughs> with his voice, and he's he's always serious. He's a serious actor, and I like if you were to have like a kind of a reserved like in a cage Joker, I'm like, I think that he could have done that. I don't think he's ever going to because he's probably going to die before they do the Joker again. Honestly, <laughs> he's still alive yeah, with seriously. how much he fucking smokes. No, I mean, honestly, the set. I, I think the one thing that sucks with a role like the Joker, which carries so much now, especially after Ledger, yeah, that it has to be a big name actor. And true, anytime a role gets to that point, I think it kind of sucks, just because. I don't know. Like I look at other franchises or things or reimagination where sometimes it's neat when they bring in new blood, you know, Absolutely. somebody you're not expecting. And I, uh, I just, now I feel like the role of the Joker is forever going to have that cloud over it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kyle and I talked to, have been bouncing this idea back and forth for quite a while. Like when we used to work together. Yeah. Um, and I told Kyle about, uh, the dark Knight returns. Um, Kyle hasn't read too many Batman comics, but that was one that piqued your interest. And the reason I brought it up is because we were spitballing this idea of a Joker that's confined. And I was—I put forth the idea of, what if we see the Joker in a different state of mind than we have before? Like, what if he's morose, or what if he's, what if he's like feels like he's just gone through a bad broke breakup, mm-hmm. and he's confined and he's removed from his like quote unquote like like attachment his his lover i guess like Mm -hmm. batman like he would be pissed yeah (laughs) and he's confined and he's just not happy (laughs) so it's like it's like the joker like to quote Shawn michaels he lost his smile (laughs) um and i I feel like someone like michael wincott would be able to bring that or just like you have this guy who everyone's expecting to be smiling and goofy all the time but he just can't he's just not he just can't bring it right now and I don't know. I think that would be like a really intense story where you're stuck with this guy and it's not pleasant. And it would be interesting to like cut back and forth between like his memories, his altered yeah. memories of how things happen on the outside, and then the reality of living in Arkham. Isn't they they kind of touch on that in the Killing Joke, don't they? Like they, they do. They kind of go back and forth. Well, that, yeah, the idea is that they're doing this eternal dance with each other. Mm-hmm. So I take it neither of you guys have played the latest Batman video game. I have. Which, uh, Arkham Knight? or The last one that came out with the tank. Oh, you know, I, I, I have not. Do they do that? 
There's a lot of that. I'll God say. damn it! <laughs> okay. I don't want to get we. I I just want to mention that briefly, just because I wanted to get it out there. Uh, that I think Michael Winkow would be a good Joker. I don't. Wanna I think it's. A, I think he'd be fantastic, yeah. and I think it would be awesome again to have somebody who's not like so uh, such a recognizable face that you're kind of taken out of the role. Like yeah. I think it would be kind of neat to see somebody like who is this? Like, you know, he can take it any direction he wants because. People are generally unfamiliar with character actors. You know? Joaquin Phoenix is going to be like under. I'm going to absolutely see it in the theaters. Like, there's no question about it. But like, I can't imagine the pressure he's under. He's like, fuck, dude. Like, this, was he nominated or was he awarded post? Uh, he was dead when he got. Like, yeah. Think yeah. best supporting or something like that. I'm not entirely sure. No, I don't want to get into it, but yeah. I feel like Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix will be excellent. Um, I'm more concerned about the director, Todd Phillips. I feel like he's, oh fuck I forgot I feel like he's a Scorsese wannabe I'm here for the gangbang Todd Phillips yeah yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> yes that's tough jeez um, I didn't even think about that yeah so my concerns fly with him more so than Joaquin Phoenix but I'm almost positive will be excellent alright I do love the idea of having Joker and Arkham in a movie setting though like I said they've touched on some of that stuff with the video games but actually in a film setting especially taking the Silence of the Lambs direction like I think you could do a lot of cool stuff with that. And again, that would be a perfect situation to use a non-huge marquee figure in that role because he could be a really a secondary character. Mm-hmm. But every time he's on screen, you're going to perk up because it's the Joker. Yeah. And what's more, you could really take it some strange directions where maybe he, maybe this Joker doesn't have the bleached skin and the green hair. Yeah, maybe he, just the scars. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. it's like difficult to see him in there. Where it's like visually, it's it's just not quite there, but maybe you get like a, a fun like every superhero movie, especially an origin movie, which Hollywood is in love with, is, uh, has to have the putting on the suit for the first time moment in the last twenty minutes of the movie. Oh, so he's he, gonna escape. There's no. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to escape. <laughs> yeah, no, he has to escape. It, it's gonna happen. Hollywood also loves no. escapes too. Like. Yeah, you can like, just he planned it the whole time, the you, whole ten years he was there. You can just go through script after script, and then you just read that one awesome escape thing. I'm like, all right, we're taking this, yeah. and this is <laughs> taking the script. Um, so yeah. to, to uh, keep things in the Batman wheelhouse, oh, um, oh, interesting. The one pitch that I came prepared with oh, is indeed a Batman pitch. Oh man, this <laughs> so, one, we, sorry, folks, this wasn't intended to be a Batman <laughs> recording, but you know, great. You're, you're stuck in here with me. Yeah, you're um, stuck. <laughs> so, um, I don't know how many Batman comics between the three of us we've all read. I'm two. sure almost all of them are, are me. <laughs> two. <laughs> Kyle says two. Um, I know my brother's read a, a fair amount. But Only the ones you gave me. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Uh, well, um, the Batman noir, Frank. I think it's Frank Miller. Oh, Batman Year One? Sure. We'll anyway. go with that. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so there was a Batman story from the late 80s called Ten Nights of the Beast. Um, either of you heard of it? I have not. Okay. Oh. Um, it involves an assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan. Um, that I wouldn't put in this pitch. <laughs> I would make it someone else or not a political figure. Just an important person. Yeah. Um, so the concept of this was basically a one-shot villain who did come come in later stories, but... This was intended to be like four issues. It just self-contained story. Um, it's about a Soviet operative uh, who comes to Gotham with the intention of killing many, many VIPs who are 
again, this is something that I would brush aside and, and remove from the script. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to, they're like pushing forward the, uh, the Star Wars program, Ronald Reagan's Star Wars program. So we, we'll take that off the table too. But the idea is the Soviet operative is in Gotham to assassinate VIPs. And over the course of 10 nights, um, Batman does battle with this character named the KG Beast. Oh, wow. Uh, he wears a gimp suit, uh, which, again, we will not put in the script. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Bef- Let me cut you off for one second. <laughs> and it, it's not about what you think, actually. It's what I was going to say is you keep sweeping the stuff under the rug, but the reality is it's this like... This is the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it, it's you're talking about we're, we're literally founding Space Force right now as we speak. So, so, like, okay, switch. We just had all these major figures receive bombs in the mail. Like, Okay, we'll keep that. We'll modernize it. So instead of Reagan, it's Trump. And, and it's, yeah. instead of uh, Gotham VIPs, it's, it's Hillary Clinton and Obama. And instead of the Star Wars program, it's the Space Force. <laughs> Pre-Space Force, before it was pushed through. Um... So the KG Beast is in Gotham, and he's out to kill all these people. And Batman's like, oh, I gotta stop this. And so over the course of these ten nights, the two of them encounter each other, and Batman keeps fucking up. Like, he keeps losing. Like, like people that. die. A lot of people die. In fact, like, an entire banquet hall gets gassed at one point. Batman is not happy about this. And this carries on for many, many nights. And Batman just keeps losing. And in fact, like he gets snippy with Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> like, and Alfred's like, dude, you got to calm down, man. Like, you know, sometimes you, you win some, you lose some. And <laughs> the, like, the most infamous part of this story is that uh, it concludes, in the comics anyway, um, with Batman and the KG Beast fighting in the sewers of Gotham. And then Batman lures him into... A sealed off room and there's only one entrance one exit and KG Beast sees that there's only one entrance one exit Batman's in the doorway and he says come on Batman let's do this let's dance for the last time like let's just get this settled I'll probably kill you or you'll kill me or we'll kill each other instead Batman says you know what you've been beating me day in day out I'm not gonna fight you I'm gonna seal the door (laughs) and lock you in there without a key without a door basically he buries him alive Nice. And the next scene is um, Batman talking to like a CIA operative who uh, admonished Batman about ad- arresting the KG Beast because he's a Russian operative. He will be extradited and will likely go free and come back. Uh, so Batman, like the CIA agent asks Batman, uh, what happened to the KG Beast? And Batman's like, oh, don't worry about him. <laughs> and he's like, and then we have these gorgeous panels where the CIA agent, like, we see three reaction shots of him and he's like, huh. And then he's like, oh. And then he's like, oh. <laughs> and, then, and then the last one, though, is his face like, good. <laughs> like, so, the, so Batman essentially buried the KG Beast alive. That would be, that's how you could actually do the Joker. Like, if you were going to have the Joker be a minor character, I think that's exactly. I was just going to say that would I be I can't get in this fucker's head. How do I stop this that's guy? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He had electors to No, it would be perfect. Um, the other thing, too, I would play up, you take away, obviously, the S&M element. Of the- <laughs> yeah, no, I would, I would change his costume. I, I would make him basically Russian Batman. Like, you, you just play up that side of it. It's like, imagine that, you know, we have our American Batman, and they had another guy who 
you know, went through whatever to get to that stage. He's, he's supposed trained to be, and everything. He's supposed he's to be genius. Ivan Drago. He's supposed to have steroids and stuff too. Oh. Well, let's kick that out because yeah. you know, let's just make him like truly the equivalent. Yeah. Like that, he's has equal amount of training. He has equal amount of gadgets. He's just you know. So, real quick question: <clears throat> When did? Uh, oh my God, the League of Shadows. What are they? Ghoul, yeah. When does is that in the comics? Absolutely. Okay. So wouldn't you have to have? Wouldn't you need to have a similar background of some kind of martial um, I arts training? I think just training? being Soviet operative. I mean, they have the Red Room and stuff. Like they Soviets have their shady shit. You just started off with a scene in Siberia, and yeah, you don't right. need to say anything well, else. What, what, what you do, literally just say somewhere in Siberia. No, what, what you, you know do who could is, play him? You know who I just thought you could play him? Who's that? Boyka. <laughs> Scott Atkins as the KGB. Actually, you know how you could do it? Oh. And you could tie in even the other movies? You have that uh, prison that was in uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. And you oh. just have it start with, you know, the entry, and you just have this figure emerge from it. I like it. Damn. And then you just have everyone in there dead, and this guy was the best of the best. And now, no, then he I, gets picked up by the men in the... Well, whatever they wear, the floppy hats with, you know, fatigues. Or <laughs> <laughs> the equivalent of our men in yeah. suits with sunglasses. That and dumb hat they wear, yeah. yeah. I know exactly what you're talking with about. With the floppy ears yeah. that are folded up. Um, well, what what came to mind for me was, um, uh, what is it? From Russia with Love, if you've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, it opens with Robert Shaw, who is a Soviet agent, um, killing James Bond. Like, the opening scene is him oh. killing James Bond with a garrote wire. And then floodlights turn on, and then they take a Mission Impossible mask off of Sean Connery, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, it was a training exercise because he's being sent to the UK. Um, that's what you do to set up a conflict like this. It's very simple storytelling. You have a cool scene for Batman kicking ass and a cool scene for the KGBs doing awesome stuff. So you see that they're both on the same level, and they're both formidable. And then when you have them come together, you do the... With the Rocky Three, where KG Beast humbles him, breaks his back, makes him humble. Um, there's another moment in the comic that definitely needs to make its way in there. Is um, Batman attempts to subdue the KG Beast by uh, slinging a rope over his arm, so he's hanging from a rooftop, and mm-hmm. he gets this rope looped around his arm, and he's like, KG Beast is like holding on to him, so he's holding Batman's weight, and he can't escape. So. KG Beast hacks his own hand off with an axe and just leaves. <laughs> and Batman's like, well, shit. <laughs> um, it's funny, because uh, the reason why I'm attracted to this story is because I just like the idea of seeing a character like Batman put in a bad mindset. Like, just bad headspace, where it's like, he's always shown as being so together. Like, even when he's like having breakdowns in the movies we've seen, like The Dark Knight Rises and stuff like that... He's still got it together. I think it would be really interesting to see him like just he had, e- just emotionally and and just like racked mentally. He's <laughs> just like completely a wreck. And he notoriously doesn't kill. Like he's very much against and he killing. He doesn't kill. Yeah. But to have him do something like bury him alive, which is far more morose than just or not morose, but like way more But a nice little loophole. Yes, yeah. a nice loophole. He's like, I don't have to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the ending would be an interesting route to go because it would be very unexpected for any any audience member who has never heard of the story. Yeah. Um, and I think it would just be an interesting framework for like stories to come because like 
where does this Batman go from there? He's obviously going to carry this experience with him. It's kind of like a prelude to like the Ben Affleck Batman and Batman versus Superman, where it's like this is the tipping point, kind of. I think, too, the neat thing with that idea would be to actually finally see Batman in kind of the lead role again. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it's the movie's been stolen by the villains and Absolutely. at least the last two main ones. And I, I mean, not, I'm not even counting the terrible, you know, recent stuff they've been putting out. But yeah. like, but the Nolan ones, like, you know, were completely overshadowed. He basically was just kind of a secondary character the whole time. Yeah. No, I, I think it would put the spotlight on him, and I think it would be really interesting to put more more emphasis on his relations to people like Alfred and Commissioner Gordon, where it's like, this is his support system, and he's going, it's kind of like the Dark Knight Rises, I guess, where it's like, he's he's off the, he's going off the reservation, like, it's like, we can't follow you, man, like, Commissioner Gordon's like, uh, you're losing it, buddy. <laughs> like, like I know we we have our roof our rooftop chats and stuff, but this is this is nuts. And it's funny. I don't think he would be the best choice, but the person that I keep thinking of in my mind as being Batman, at least for this particular role, is like Jake Gyllenhaal. Hmm. Think, think like he's very good at like manifesting his emotions physically, and like the way he was in Zodiac, where he has that obsessive personality. I where think, it's like it's kind of scary to talk to him even though you can tell he believes everything he's saying so now we're recasting Batman <sighs> well I mean this isn't like the the whole point of me bringing this to the table I just thought it was a cool story that I'd really like to see on film someday and I think actually we're going to get it um, it was rumored that um, because of the Justice League uh, movie ended with a stinger with Joey Abs uh, Joey Manganiello oh yeah as yeah. Deathstroke Flash, yeah um yeah, Flash, <laughs> Flash Thompson. Um, yeah, Joey Abs uh, has his Deathstroke moment, and it was rumored that he was going to be in the Ben Affleck Batman movie, which is still supposed to be being made by the guy who did those most recent Planet of the Apes movies, which is really? fucking those good. Are good. I like yeah. all those. Um, and Deathstroke, in terms of what he brings to the table, is basically what the KG Beast does. He's just a really formidable mercenary type guy. I just pictured James Franco's dipshit smile in the Batman Batman suit. <laughs> I thought back to that first Planet of the Apes remake. <laughs> that dumb smile. James Franco doomed us all. <laughs> he was responsible for the death of humanity in those movies. You mentioned Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm thinking Jake Gyllenhaal from uh, Prisoners. Because he's kind of oh, he's kind of having his, to deal his, with it uh, there. His blinks. He has that like I haven't slept in like or Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Night he, he's, he's super. Gnarly. He's good at playing those obsessive type characters. Yeah. My only issue with Jake Gyllenhaal, I think, is and it's the same issue I've had with previous Batman's, but um, I think he could play the Batman role. It's the Bruce Wayne role. Yeah, he wouldn't. Like be... I just can't take him seriously. Is just because I feel like we've all kind of accepted Batman as being a little older now. Mm-hmm. Like, he's no longer, like, the young playboy that he was in the comics back in the day or in the cartoons when we were growing up. Like, I feel like now, like, Batman's more of an established, like, you know, not middle age, but, like, in his 40s, like, you know, because so much of it, the storytelling elements that make it interesting is that he's he's a human and he breaks down eventually, like... Or is it, aren't the new isn't the new Batman not going to have Ben Affleck as Batman? It's going to be somebody different, as in like yeah, that, Batman. That's it, what's going around is that him and Henry Cavill are both out. Okay, that, uh, <laughs> suck. <yeah. laughs> 
But yeah, you could even, you could even have like it's same thing. Like it's an old Bruce Wayne talking to an old Joker kind of deal. Like and he's mentoring this new. I mean, you could actually have Dick Grayson as the new Batman. Whoever. Well, what's funny is if if this were an actual studio finance project, <laughs> I think Hannibal Lecter Joker would be shoehorned in even if it wasn't intended to be in the script, yeah. just to get asses in the seats because you know the. The audience would pop so hard for a Joker cameo or something. Oh, fuck, it's yeah. Like, Brad Pitt as the Joker! <laughs> That's the reason... Why do you think I watched The Suicide Squad? That's the only reason why I'm like, I just want to see Jared Leto's Joker. That's all I wanted to watch that movie And what for. did that do for you? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't watch it, but honestly, oh. that's what I was hoping they were going to do kind of with that, was that this was a person who was not the original Joker, but somebody who took influence from the previous one. and They had a good idea for like reimagining the Joker. Yeah. Like, well, well, the, the rumor was that he was one of the Robins or something that became a Joker or something. Oh. That was the rumor. It's but, Will Smith. It's one of Will Smith's better movies in the past, since <laughs> in like the past decade. Honestly, seriously, like he's the best part of that whole movie. That's <laughs> bad. That's that's. You didn't like Bright with their <laughs> I, makeup. I, I I did. I watched five minutes of that. I movie. need to see that. I've heard, I've heard so much awful shit about yeah. it. They, Netflix has not really gotten a good movie on there. Like. Actually, when you look at original content, Netflix is pretty terrible if you remove just the few big ones. Yeah, like House of Cards and then uh, Stranger Things. If you remove those two, I think they might have one And House more. of Cards is already, you could argue, is damaged goods now. Yeah, so. it is. I mean, really, you have Stranger Things, but which realistically probably has like one more great season in it, and then if they continue it, it can't do Those shit. Kids it's are going to start getting older and awkward looking and expensive. Yeah, <laughs> and you know everything else they've done. A few documentaries, but oh, their their true crime uh, docu series are phenomenal. Yeah, that I've seen. I've seen two that are just awesome. But I mean, you got Disney streaming services just around the corner, so looming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they better just stick with their docu, or like stick with your docu series and purchase sitcoms just... and stop casting orcs in the roles Jesus. of minorities. <laughs> Australian orcs. <laughs> are, are we gonna get off of Batman before yes, it's too late? Yes, let's Please, get let's get to yours because I know you actually take notes and plan for these. I, things. I did not take notes for this oh. one because I, I like I don't know really what to take notes on for this. Oh, like Kyle, let's go let's you, go go oh, around the horn. Let's just keep yeah, let's keep it rotating. All right, let's keep it rotating. Let's what get back to. Got? Well, uh, to take another major franchise, then, uh, one of the other ones I was thinking of is Die Hard. Interesting. And uh, when I say Die Hard, I'll preface that with saying my idea for reimagining Die Hard, like, I I view John McClane, I feel like they should make him into American James Bond. Okay. It's essentially what he is. He's the all-American figure that finds himself on the all these goofy situations which he's more than happy to shoot his way out of. Oh, absolutely. And people love it. But the problem is Bruce Willis clearly got old and even more so stopped giving a fuck. And so the movies have sucked as of late. So why not just recast him and just have him be this figure that just is out and about, some shit happens, and then he just runs around shooting things. I think they <laughs> blew their opportunity, honestly, to do this with that skyscraper film. If you just cut out the element of the rock missing his leg, you name him John McClane and you just have him, oh, I'm a fired cop. Now I'm in charge of security as Skyscraper. Oh, God, the fucking terrorists. Mm. Like, you can literally have... <laughs> oh, God, the fucking terrorists. <laughs> I mean, that's the plot of every Die Hard yeah. movie ever. Yeah. So it's like... But, but it's in the script. <laughs> 
But I'm just saying, like, find another figure that you want to be a major action star, sign him up for, like, a three-movie contract, and you literally just pump out an action film. Yeah. Because that's all people really want. But it's with a figure that's iconic, that they like, that, you know, kind of embodies that can-do, like, figure-out-a-situation-on-the-fly all-American, yeah. rather and being, more importantly, being the opposite of James Bond, in that he gets grimy, he bleeds... He's willing to kill anybody he has to. He doesn't have time for romance. He doesn't have time to fucking look debonair. He drinks shitty beer. Like and he is hungover as shit. shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he smells like he drives shitty cars. Like everything the opposite. Just hate him. I like. I like if you look at his uh, his his tank top at the very beginning and then at the very end it's white and that's black it's an opposite presidential picture if you look at the president's <laughs> hair when they get into office and then eight years later it's completely white it's like vice no that, that tank top is black by yeah. the end of that movie <laughs> I'm just saying like Tom Clancy was a Jack Ryan is in everything yeah. and people are totally cool with it but you know why can't why don't just do the same with John McClane I think it's because of Bruce Willis I think people associate it's like Rambo that you can't conceive of Rambo or Rocky being anyone other than Sylvester Stallone. And I feel like it's kind of the same way with John McClane. In fact, it's rumored that there's going to be another diehard. Motherfuck. With Bruce Willis, uh. who increasingly just gives... He I don't know how give... he can give negative fucks, but he does. I haven't seen him give a fuck since the whole nine yards, which I love. <laughs> oh, wow. I, like, I like that movie. I don't know why, but I, I do like that movie. It's, it's kind of fun, but... I feel like that was that tail end of that, that like, was fun gangster it. era of the nineties that like it, that was a dark comedy like yeah it was like the lucky number eleven days I didn't, I didn't see that one <laughs> that was a little later yeah this was a little, was like, a little later well like he, he's very good at being reluctant like he's like you see him when he's kind of kicked back he's like man this fucking sucks <laughs> I gotta fucking do it I mean I'm trying to think of like who. Who do you have in mind for a John McClane or like a different? Even would you go different character or John McClane? Just I think it should always be John McClane. Okay, I just think you should just have it be cast literally just like James Bond. Okay, like, I think you just cast okay. it and you just treat him like each actor can put a little different emphasis on them. Maybe He'll be in a fucking wheelchair still playing John <laughs> McClane. Well, and I think Trevor's right. Like I think a lot of it is that Bruce Willis is just tied to that and wants to remain tied to it absolutely but when i look at what they've done with james bond and they've kind of tried to make him grittier they've tried to make him you know a more realistic impression of the mythical figure they had years past like i think maybe do the opposite with the american version like make the john mcclain and just make him more of just like a comic booky like goofy figure because that's going back to what we were talking about just it doesn't have to be so realistic. Like, it's kind of fun to just oh. no longer think about, like, oh, what is a terrorist plot that could truly conceivably take down the world rather than just a bunch of assholes with guns kick down this door and this one prick happened to do something yeah. about it. <laughs> well, that, I mean, if you ask me, that's actually part of what has led that entire franchise astray is the, is the escalation, or at least the theory of escalation is... For the longest time, we had diehard imitators that were referred to as diehard on a, or diehard in a, like under siege, under siege diehard on a ship, yep. um, diehard on a train, under siege too. Yeah. Um, diehard was in a skyscraper. Yeah. Diehard 2 is at, is at an airport. Diehard 3 is the entirety of New York. Yeah. Diehard 4 is 
the Eastern Seaboard. I didn't watch any. Die Hard Five is fucking Russia. <laughs> I didn't watch the latter years. I... You're not missing anything. So I feel like broadening the scope, like Matt was saying, like making it a world class threat for John McClane to tackle, makes it far less interesting, and it kind of takes away from the whole spirit of what made the first movie so great. But he's just a black and white, though. He's just a, like a detective. I mean, how can you? But that's kind well, of that's, the. That's what, what I'm saying is you scale it down oh yeah that's what i'm saying is that's what makes him fun is because it is it's it's that fantasy Mm -hmm. that all these people have when we see these horrible things happen on the news that rather than it playing out the way it usually does where there's a lot of panic a lot of confusion long ass standoffs and then god knows how it ends usually not great yeah versus the hyper fictional one where it's a horrible baseball stadium where all of a sudden these terrorists try okay. to take over, put a dome over it. They're going to execute everybody if they don't get the money. And there's the one guy yeah. who's well, willing to fucking take the ketchup dispenser and rip somebody's well, throat out yeah. to arm himself. So you're describing Sudden Death starring Van Damme. And I, I fucking keep forgetting this Dave Bautista movie, but it came out this year in the UK where it's him at a soccer stadium. <laughs> No, exactly. There, it's been imitated so many times, yeah. so why not just kill off all the imitators by just making it John McClane? Because yeah. it'll be Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> that's <laughs> why I'm like, no, be. that's, I like, it's Mark Wahlberg. <sighs> I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're I can tell absolutely you right, right now. He's the highest paid actor, I think. I think he or The Rock are neck and neck for highest paid actor. Like, if you're going to redo it now and have it be a cop, you can't do The Rocks, so it'll be too funny. Mark Wahlberg is just going to be awkward. Hey, Hans! You be Kanye, motherfucker! Motherfucker? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Hey, where'd the beats go? It's just going to be bad if it's Mark Wahlberg. I, I'm trying to think, who do you have in mind? Do you have somebody in mind for John? You've got to have somebody. Well, I think you were saying, like, kind of an unknown. Like, just an unknown. give this person a franchise. I, I, I don't think you can do that with John McClane. No, That's I don't think the thing. You can. Uh, I mean, like I said, my biggest thing is I think they missed the opportunity. Like, I think The Rock should have gotten years ago. Yeah. Not now, because he's too big, and like you said, he's kind of... You see him, and you're just kind of like, he's too goofy, and kind of... Well, his movies are so big that they're aiming for international audiences. Whereas a John McClane, like, American hero should be aiming for domestic audiences. So, smaller film, targeted at, at less, like... We don't care if people in China buy this movie. We need it to be low budget so we can make our money back. Strictly. Don't care about people in China. I can tell exactly who you should get, Jeremy Renner, because <laughs> there, you go. there said, you go. Listen, dude, they don't give a fuck about you over there. John Boyega, yes. John McClane. Actually, who you should do just to give it a big middle finger is uh, cast Idris Elba. Yeah. <laughs> just be like, we claimed him. Yeah, he's ours. Like, you yeah. missed your chance to make him Bond. Yeah, so. no. So we made him John McClane. <laughs> oh. oh That's the most American thing I can imagine, (laughs) actually. Fuck you. We took this. (laughs) It would be. It'll probably be an Aussie if we were gonna do it. Oh yeah, it would be Hollywood loves their Aussies. Mm -hmm. What about the What about the Edgerton? Joel, he's too pug face. (laughs) He's got a weird face. He's a very good actor. I I actually do think of him as a selling point. Mm -hmm. But as John McClane, I don't know. It's kind of hard because. See, I think this is a... Per- Sorry to cut you off yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But no, I was going to say, I think this is a perfect opportunity to cast uh, a guy who's kind of on his way out. Like, mm. an older actor who maybe had some action cred back in the time. Or just was like, you know, somebody who... Because part of John McClane, like I said, like he is supposed to be out of shape. He is supposed to be kind of like 
you know, not really at his peak condition. Michael Keaton. <laughs> I would it watch would be too, that. It'd be too funny. I would fucking watch that. He can be intense as fuck. I see, he's, and he's a contemporary. I mean, he's too funny to me. Like I can't, I can't do him in serious well, stuff how, as well. I mean, this is a completely out of left field pitch, but um, what about Old Man McLean? What about all the things that there's a lot of repetition in all these movies about him being wrong place, wrong time, shitty parent. What if we dial that up and it's like, turns out that's all true and he fucks up royally. Like he gets in a, a situation that he escalates maybe. Mm. Like think of like a convenience store robbery where he just starts shooting people and it's like, it wasn't that big of a deal, John. <laughs> like, like, it's like, I know you operate on a hair trigger, but you know, it's okay if they take like a bottle of wine. That's no big deal. That's not that big a deal, man. <laughs> but I mean... I mean, that would be a totally different movie where it's like just a lonely old man who's... It's kind of like a Gran Torino kind of story, I guess. I'm going to sleep on the uh, John McClane recasting. Yeah, I can't think of anyone at the moment. No. Like, Don Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I have a feeling it would be precisely like what you were saying with the uh, Joaquin Phoenix Joker, where I feel like it's there's something that's so obvious glaringly that's right there. Just none of us have even... I mean... Honestly, the guy who's getting very close <laughs> currently is Brad Pitt. Because I think man. he missed his window to be a Marvel guy. So Oh, yeah. He, was, uh, he was absolutely, like, they had to have asked him to do something. Well, he was in a not mainstream Marvel movie, but it was a cameo. What was it? It's your favorite Marvel movie. Why was he in that? He's in, like, two frames of it. I can't even, I can't even think of it. It's Deadpool 2. I know, I know it's Deadpool 2. I couldn't <laughs> For think. the folks at home. <laughs> it's the best Marvel movie. Um, we'll get to that another time. <laughs> but yeah, he has a couple frame cameos. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I do remember. He's the invisible... Yeah. Uh, and Matt Damon's been in a couple <laughs> of them, too. He's the invisible Again, guy. I just, I just remember that. Um, so I don't know if that counts, but that's maybe that's all we'll get. At he's Jim Jeffries' weatherman on the Jim Jeffries show. Straight <laughs> up. It's, it's the funniest thing. He's like, how'd you get Brad Pitt to be my weatherman? He's like... I asked him and he said yes. Did I not start this broadcast saying Brad Pitt does weird cameos? Yeah. <laughs> True romance. Uh, yeah, two of them. <laughs> He's so good He's in that. He's in two different roles. All right, I'll sleep on McLean. Okay, Let's so see. Kyle. Again, again, I'm cur- very curious to see what you got next. The only thing I would say is it's funny when I bring these out because these are movies, I both ones I've mentioned at least are movies I probably wouldn't want to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think like it would be fascinating to see if they took some different takes on it rather than just regurgitating the exact shit that they keep doing. Like I hate when they remake a movie and they just try to make it the same movie just with younger people. Mm-hmm. It's like, like I said, it's Die Hard. It's going to be a dog shit action movie. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, just put some a different actor... Yeah. And just make it be a generic, like, yes, it's going to be an action movie. Yes, you're not going to have to think. And whoever we cast, like, they're going to crack wise. They're going to bleed. And you're going to enjoy it. Like, Preferably somebody who's not in diapers by now. I'm pretty sure Bruce Willis is pretty close to that. I, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> All right, do you want me to do, you want me to do the... Uh... Yeah, Kyle, hit, okay. us, hit us with your pitch. Okay, so... I put off watching Reanimator for the longest time because I'm one of those douches that I read the book first, so I 
don't think I'm going to like the adaptation of the film. Uh, and I was absolutely right. Um, I think that we need some actual adaptations of Lovecraft stories. Um, and I think inadvertently he has influenced a few movies. I mentioned on the thing. There, there have been Lovecraft films. Uh, there's the Necronomicon, mm-hmm. to, for one, um, that actually has some straight up adaptations that are. They play pretty fast and loose with some of the stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But And then there's one called Dagon. That I think it's a Spanish Italian production. It has Dagon in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Innsmouth, I think. I think the, I mean, the most recent one they've done is Reanimator. With Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, the that franchise. Yeah. I mean, it's still carrying on, kind of. Is it? Oh, like, I, they made one, like, five, six years ago, I think. Um, it, but I think the problem... I would like to see some more film adaptations. Uh, the thing is, is I've, I've actually... I got you at the Mountains of Madness so you could read it. I'm not sure if you're familiar with... Uh, I haven't read much Lovecraft. I think I've started, like, three different ones, but... He does a lot of really short stories. They're not really long. Um... Uh, at the Mountains of Madness is a novella. It's it's really short. Well, he was um, publishing in magazines mostly, I think. I believe so. Um, but if you read At the Mountains of Madness, it sounds a lot like The Thing, and I mentioned that on The Thing uh, episode we did. Uh, I think it would be difficult to try to pull off uh, some of his iconic stories. Like, Reanimator, I think, could be redone. Uh, if you read the story of Reanimator, it's really creepy. Like, it's actually like a legit scary story. As opposed to the movie, which is kind of goofy. Which is, like, <laughs> really bottom-heavy. Like, we're just waiting to see some cool makeup effects. That's... And they aren't even that spectacular because no. we had no money. <laughs> no, it wasn't that great. And yes. same with Bride of Reanimator. Not great. Not great at all. See, my one thing I'll say is, like, uh, I feel like with Lovecraft, part of the brilliance is the lo- that we don't have the visual side of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that so much of it is the mental imagery, and and I wonder if it would be ruined, you know, kind of like you're describing, if you actually bring figures into light that have been in people's nightmares for forever. I think that Guillermo del Toro could pull off Cthulhu. I think that sure it would be a, it would be a monster movie. Um, I'm not sure how big we would. I mean, he's supposed to be like Godzilla size. Yeah. like he's supposed to be pretty big. Um, I think. Uh, you, I, you've told me before that yeah, yeah Guillermo del Toro has a very long history uh, with the At the Mountains of Madness or whatever um, he apparently has been trying to get this film greenlit for most of his career <laughs> um, for whatever reason they haven't been able to secure the financing or the rights or whatever um, I was I remember being really excited when uh, Guillermo del Toro won the Oscar this past year um, Shape of Water yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, I I told Kyle like, oh now he's got now he's got the Oscar. Maybe he has enough clout that that dream project of his he can like push it through finally. Um, so it's something he wants to do, and I think of all the people out there right now, he probably has the right chops to do it. Um, he has an eye for imagery that's absolutely wonderful. Like he he puts images on the screen that you can tell came from him mm-hmm. rather than like his production design team. It feels very personal, and he has a way of, I don't know, creating monsters that you feel something for, which in this case I'm not sure is a good thing, though. No, I I think that it's he's the one with the, the chops to actually help us visualize what he was trying to describe, because I th- honestly I think Lovecraft was kind of, I, I want to say kind of shooting from the hip, like he was trying to create something out of nothing. What he had in mind was very abstract. It's like any comic book author 
Like, do you think the, the guy who invented Wolverine to fight the Hulk imagined that Wolverine would become this beloved figure decades down the road? No, he just... He was operating on a strict time frame. He's like, fuck, I gotta put some guy in the Hulk's way. And same with Lovecraft. I'm sure he was just like, ah, fuck, I gotta create a new monster this week. Uh, Shaga. The era, too, you're in, too. I think it was a little easier to do some sort of horror when people were a little more isolated and a little Mm -hmm. more... Spent a lot more time in silence, I'll say that. <laughs> a lot less uh, blue light. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it would, it's just going to, I think it's going to be difficult to do because it's hard to do At the Mountains of Madness without the thing coming into mind. It's going to be hard to do. I think somebody mentioned that Cloverfield was, I think the idea was kind of based off Cthulhu a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I call bullshit on that. But yeah. like At the Mountains of Madness, I. I have your book, and I am working my way through it. Unfortunately, that story is towards the end of the book, so yeah. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. But um, give me like an overview of the story. Is it? It's it, about an Arctic expedition, right? Yes, and I believe this was one. Of, this was a, written around the time of one of the first Arctic expeditions, like successfully. Yeah, <laughs> well, actually, yeah, yeah. I'm that, sure there were many. That's important to note. Many, many failed ones. Um, there were uh, there was a few things that happened in his like scientific uh, discoveries that happened while he was writing and actually come up in his books. But uh, yeah, this this group down in Antarctica come across uh, some kind of alien life form and squid-like it kind of what the thing remake looked like that's what sure made me think of it as well um and it it kills a few of their people i think it kills a dog as well uh the thing producers are gonna say nope can't do that <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you gotta uh, offend the walmart people <laughs> and then they come to this like ancient it looks like you would think of like mayan like ancient ruins basically but it's like this it was like an alien colony basically and it's the architecture the architecture <laughs> the architecture is like crazy complicated and it's basically these dudes that go over it in a plane and they're kind of going not a lot happens in this in the book it's not a it's not an eventful book but the imagery that he puts in there is really great mm-hmm. and i think that the reason why i say guillermo, guillermo is because i think that he could reimagine it like he could actually put it on screen and he would actually take the time to build the sets. I, you know, I not I mentioned it, maybe even Peter Jackson. I think that he would actually take the time to do the miniatures and everything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I mentioned, um, I can't say his name because I don't speak French-Canadian, but uh, it's, the, it's the fellow that did Prisoners and Blade Runner 2049. Oh, yeah, I know you're talking about. And uh, Arrival. Mm. Um, oh. He has an eye for imagery as well. And those creatures in, the, in Arrival, um, a little Cthulhu-esque. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Little of crafting, yes. And he, um, like, I mean, Matt wasn't talking about this in reference to the pitch, but um, he's very good at managing silence. He's very good at managing those quieter moments. I mean, letting the scene breathe. There's so that's something that Peter Peter Jackson can't fucking do to, to save his life. <laughs> I think you're right. You just blew my mind. Because uh, <laughs> now, yeah, I'm thinking 2049, but now I'm like, yeah, there's barely talk. Like, there's not a there's lot. There's a talk. lot of quiet moments in that movie that are haunting and stick with you. No, I think uh, <laughs> sound is a big thing, like the for anything that you're gonna do with Lovecraft. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. any because, creeping terror is shaped, and the sounds of the creatures and things like that. Yeah, just I, I had a friend who saw Dunkirk in the theater, mm-hmm. and he said that that's a movie that you should strictly see in the theater because no, like sound is a huge part of that movie. Um, 
I don't know if you, either one of you have seen I it. I didn't see that one. I did see Saving Private Ryan when it came out in theaters, and that was... I was like a 16-year-old kid that was dead set on going into the service, and that was like Maybe kind not. of a wake-up call. <laughs> I'll say that. Because like, yeah. that one, the sound, it, it was. That was a big part of it. It was just realizing the chaos that mm-hmm. didn't, wasn't conveyed as much in older war movies, I'd say, because it was a little... T- more straightforward i'd say this one it just was literally from all directions and that shouldn't be your frame of reference for going into the military because Patton's idea was just we're just gonna throw soldiers at the beaches just keep throwing them till we get through that was his whole plan of course just keep bombarding just keep going they'll drill right through them they'll run out of bullets that's that was the plan yeah <laughs> good plan yeah, yeah. Jesus. Um, and that's how they justify the bomb in, in Japan, too. Saying that we were going to do it again, but, but the, instead we just dropped a nuke. The rest of Lovecraft's stories are just too short. Like, they're mm. they're too short to really get a movie out of. Uh, and the, the three big ones would be Cthulhu, uh, At the Mountains of Madness, and Reanimator. Um, one of the ones, at least in other media, in games in particular, that seems to be, seems to draw a lot of interest from, like, game developers is... Uh, was it Shadows over Innsmouth? Yeah, Innsmouth. Um, Dagon, that movie, is is based around the fishing village aspect of it and, like, fucking the sea creatures and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, there's a computer game called Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the Earth, that mm-hmm. takes place there, that the major antagonists are people who worship Dagon and Cthulhu, and it's a fishing village of half-fish people. Uh Great-ass game, actually. I, I could actually see that being a decent adaptation to film. Controls sucked. <laughs> oh, God, the controls are awful. Um, yeah, actually, as we're talking about this, like, um, I think what would be cool, and, and it, it plays into that, where it's like you're going to kind of have to mash them together, mm-hmm. I think, to really do it. But also, like, I kind of like the idea of, like, taking the basic premise of that and then tying it into something else mm-hmm. like i think that that's another thing we're that's been lacking in cinema like uh i know you've brought it up a number of times but um apocalypse now mm-hmm. where it's you take this classic short story of just a guy going up a river and then you throw it into vietnam and now you have this huge amazing film mm-hmm. yeah it's like you could kind of take i don't know what example of something offhand but taking the love Lovecraft's overall things of just that dreary kind of like unknown and tying it into something and yeah, it could be interesting. It's yeah, a, I mean, um, the thing. <laughs> that's that's kind of how it speak, happened. Speaking of Del Toro, I mean, Crimson Peak is an original film. Like mm-hmm. it's not based on any source material, but it's paying homage to like an entire genre of film that's basically died out, like mm. the gothic haunted mansion horror. Yeah, it's not something we make anymore. Like. I think the subgenre is like called a chiller as opposed to a, like a proper horror film because it's just like gets under the skin kind of. Yeah. But his his movie turned into just like batshit crazy ultra violence. Is it good? Is it worth watching? Because it's, it's goofy. I've nearly it's watched silly. it a few times. It's very oh, silly. But the Charlie Im- Hunnam's in it. That's right. Yeah. The imagery <laughs> and the the set designs are glorious. Gotcha. But it is so fucking stupid at times, especially towards the end. Yeah, I just I. I it's think... kind of like um. Uh, a cure for wellness in that way. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, that's another one that could have been great. Oh, it but... could have been so fucking great. And then the like the last third of it's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, stop that it. That actually was one of the ones I kicked around for introducing actually oh. tonight because it, it times that movie's brilliant. It really is. 
It really is a very and handsome visually, film. it's very oh, nice. Audio but... visual, it's fantastic. But then that last chunk of it's just like, what is this? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I just think that we should somebody who can spend the time on sets and the actual makeup and puppets and stuff well, like that. I I'm confident we'll get one very soon, um, at some point because this. This Lovecraftian subgenre of fiction is so beloved by so many dorks out there that like, <laughs> like it it'll yeah. get finance. It'll happen. Okay. And so if you'll get it. I'm not sure if you like it, but you'll get it. Didn't like uh, Reanimator. Maybe they'll maybe they'll even be ballsy enough to do the Bram Stoker's Dracula of it, or like H.P. Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness. They will. That would be cool. Directed by Brett Ratner. <laughs> Netflix. Netflix they original. Fuck. <laughs> Schumacher's gonna come out of yeah, retirement. Yeah, directed by Joel Schumacher. <laughs> Costumes and sets designed by Joel Schumacher. I don't know though. Like you could do like a, a fishing village kind of thing. Like you could meld like Perfect Storm and what's. Well, I think that's how you would test the waters. Is you would make that smaller story at the fishing village, and then if that works with your core demographics, and it's like oh, let's. And then you rip off Cloverfield, and you just yeah. kind of tie them all together, like loosely as fuck, loosely. and then <laughs> loosely. <Yeah. laughs> oh, all right, that's that's all I have for Lovecraft. Okay. Just, I think we're in the golden age of just like actually giving him justice. I, I think you're right, and I think we're gonna see a lot of that. Um, here's hoping it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're in the hot seat. Oh, shit. Well, I did not come fully prepared, but... Uh, I've got a backup if you guys run out. So I, I got one. So here's, here's a quick one that... Um, well, it's not going to be quick. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's one that the two of you can definitely keep up with. Um, Aliens vs. Predator. Okay. Um, my brother and I played the arcade game extensively. Okay. The arcade game has a very different plot from any of the movies we've gotten. Um, so this was a Capcom arcade game. It's a brawler, so you walk to the right, you kill everything. Gotcha. Uh, the player characters are two predators, um, one one modeled after the original 1987 Predator and one modeled after the Predator 2 Predator. Um, and then Major Dutch Schaefer, I think, like the third or something. So it's, it, it is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It, it is, it's like drawn to look like him, but it's a animated character for a game uh but it's like his ancestor <laughs> okay so it's like his it's like same name same rank even i think uh but he has a bionic arm with a smart gun in it uh so you know vasquez's gun in aliens okay it has one of those inside his mechanical arm oh kind of like like ash except with, instead of a chainsaw it, he's but like it's a, a big metallic arm that he punches people with and it turns into a gun okay <laughs> And then the other character is uh, Lieutenant Lin Kurosawa, mm-hmm. um, Japanese lady, because it's a Japanese product, why not? She's quite fine. <laughs> um, and she has a katana, of course, because, again, Japanese product. Um, and she has a pistol with unlimited ammo and the katana and can summon, like, key blasts, like like Goku or Ryu. Maybe not, maybe not put that in the script. Anyway, the... the story in the arcade game is basically that there's a pod or a shuttle that crashes in the ma- in the middle of I think LA in mm-hmm. the future and uh, aliens get loose and they it's in the middle of fucking Los Angeles and there's this massive outbreak 
and they send Arnold Schwarzenegger and his his team of colonial marines because we're now in aliens time. Yeah. Um, to stop this outbreak, so they're fighting aliens in the streets of Los Angeles, and then they get cornered, and then a plasma caster goes off, and then like four predators decloak, and they're like, "We're here to save you." It's like, why? It's like. Because we enjoy hunting you, and these things will wipe you out. So the predators are on Earth strictly to preserve the human species. And basically the game takes you um, with the predators teamed up with the humans, um, and you fight all the aliens. You're pursuing the queen who has been abducted by Wayland yutani mm. So what we learn is that the original craft that crashed in Los Angeles was a company craft. So they were transporting aliens, but something went wrong. It crashed, and now they're trying to cover it up. There's this fat Danny DeVito-looking guy who's <laughs> taunting you throughout the game and is two steps ahead of you. There's your antagonist. Probably get, like, Wayne Knight or something to play him. He can antagonize And, yeah, the, the whole... Um, you fight the queen twice in the game. Um, and they even have a tribute to aliens at the end of the movie... At the end of the game, in the last stage, where the, the fat man is a... In the on the bridge of a ship in, in orbit and alien queen tail comes down from the ceiling impales him and does the bishop to him and then you fight the queen and her entire hive on the ship a lot of fantastic set piece moments and i just like the idea of like not even doing like they did in the original avp where it's like this big revelation where it's like oh my god this lady's paired up with the predator they're buddies now like, just get that out of the way right in the beginning, where it's like, predators and dudes are working together. It's like, accept this. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, like, James Cameron did Aliens and Terminator 2, and there's two things, there, there's something that I, I was just thinking about the movies, and I had to double check, I'm like, yeah, he did he did Aliens, right? Yeah. Think about the uh, set for um, the beginning of Terminator 2, like, we're first introduced, that, that set, that, like, apocalyptic set design. And mm-hmm. then think to some of the the colonial marines when we're kind of outside outside the uh, the station, and I, I think it's kind of underrated that that set design on the outside. It's supposed to be just like a wasteland. It's only for a few minutes of film too. Yeah, but the attention to detail is spot on. Yeah, you just gave me my first shot. <laughs> um, skull, alien foot mm-hmm. <laughs> <There you laughs> instead go. of a Terminator, and then hiss, and then. It's war, but it's aliens and marines yeah. instead of Terminators. Yeah, what if we're in like a post post apocalyptic like the well, xenomorphs the, have taken over? Like, yeah, you, it's like the battle's already been going on for a while. Is that what the arcade game was? No, like? the, the arcade game starts at at the outbreaks, like the outset of the. Okay, outbreak. but that would be a killer opening shot. That would be pretty neat. I, I mean, it, it's way overdue to have the aliens actually in a major city. Yeah, take, I mean, it, it's take been it teased since over. Alien Three. Yeah, that was like, the original fucking promotion for that movie. Just to show like the shot of the Earth and the 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 eye from the alien logo, and it says they're coming to Earth, and they never have. They never have. I mean, yeah, the comics they have. Well, AVP Requiem, but that's yeah, no, whatever. <laughs> I I think that uh, yeah, I I'm. T- can't believe they haven't really brought back Arnold in any capacity. Obviously, not Arnold Schwarzenegger himself. Okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, a son of or because that seems like a very predator type of thing. It's yeah. like, oh, you're the lineage of the only being that managed to kill one of these. Yeah, got, got, Why did the Colonial Marines have no sleeves in space? By the way, yeah, I know. <laughs> like 
They have all this, no. all these fancy toys, but it's no cold up there. Sleeve it's, technology. It's, it's like, cold in that station. That's a very guys. good point. I mean, they did. They brought uh, Gary Busey's son into Predator. That the was Predator. We got so excited so, when I, we saw that. I heard you guys mention that, and actually, that that was brilliant. Like, no, that's a small little thing. That's like. Jake Busey? Fuck yeah. As soon as we saw him smile, we're like, oh, that's Jake Busey. Yeah, you look at them choppers. <laughs> but yeah, Ar- like Arnold, it doesn't even have to be Arnold, but just having the name and knowing the that, Dutch. oh, that's That's Dutch. honestly who I was hoping it was going to be in. Um, yeah. And the latest one was that it was like his son or it was that somehow tied and that that was like the reason the Predators are going after him. Um, and you know, it also pisses me off that like Ripley's just gone. Yeah. You know? And you kind of have the perfect setup to bring her back in a capacity because of, what was it, uh, the fourth aliens. Oh, Resurrection. I didn't like how her, I didn't. I hated how they, she was in that. I'm saying that because they had all like all the genetic crap. Yeah. You could just have a clone of her mm-hmm. and make it back to the normal her, not the super basketball playing, like yeah. super strong yeah, Ripley, the- just a normal like you know person well, she's such a good like a strong female lead she's smart and tough and she's like but also vulnerable too yeah. like that was the other thing that lacks when you make everything just like oh it's a bunch of military specialists fighting these and it's like okay well yeah they get wasted and all but part of the cool thing with watching ripley take on aliens is that she's kind of Figuring it out on the fly. Yeah, she's yeah. not really trained with rifles. She's not really... She doesn't want to fight. Like, no. well, the, she just has to. The whole theme with her character throughout all the movies, except for Resurrection, is she's the survivor. Yeah. Like, she just gets it done. Mm-hmm. Like, not because she ever wants to or has any desire to get involved with any of that. It's just that it, she's the last one standing. Guys. She's the ultimate final girl in, in slasher movie terms. But... They took that away from her in Resurrection, where it's like she's no longer that. The character's just gone. Right. And it kind of... I miss that. I, I really miss that character in those kinds of movies. But I think that that would be a perfect foil, too, to having, like, an Arnold figure. Where you oh, have, like, this awesome. super badass, like, military guy who can kill anything or whatever. Balanced out by the one person who's usually doing the smarter thing. And, you know... Hmm. Well, I mean, I don't know about YouTube, but just the idea of seeing, oh, I don't know what would be cooler, a predator fighting a power loader or in a power loader? <laughs> the, oh, okay. Predator has to get in the power loader. Yeah. Predator. <laughs> predator in a power loader. Because it would just be all hand stuff. He would just be like. He'd just be like massaging the controls and figuring it out very slowly while like Dutch is like fighting tooth and nail with some aliens. Like, I need help over Fucking here. Fucking do something. Fucking do something. <laughs> it's just oh. like. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that franchises ever. I don't think they're ever gonna do a third one. Um, no. Even though the second one was better than the first one. I um, think so. But, I mean, there's just so many things they didn't do, and aliens in a city. Yeah. Like, in a city. Taking over. And I want my fucking colonial marines back. mm -hmm. Yeah. We have yet to get them back, and they're, like, the best part of everything, if you ask me. Maybe that was the problem, is that they took it out of space, and they brought it to today Earth, because that's... That's that's what what they did with both the AVP movies, and it's... I mean, they tried to have a nod to it with the National Guard in AVP Requiem, but they didn't have the money, and it was so small scale. It was everything was in shadow, and 
I'm sorry, just the, the equipment and the personalities just weren't there. It'd be cool if they they had gone through a time warp or like a wormhole or something, and then like Michael Bean comes out, like, <laughs> we're from the future, but it's kind of in the 80s. <laughs> so smoking Marlboro Lights. See, the, the fucked up thing is like, we talk about this now, but the reality of what's going to happen is you're going to get Alien versus Predator versus Terminator. Versus no, Robocop. No. And then Robocop. <laughs> Robocop shows up to save the Because that's, when you were describing that opening sequence, I'm like, that would be so cool aliens on earth and they're terrorizing and they'll just bring in the terminator somehow <laughs> i'll tell you exactly how it's gonna go is that the terminator's gonna see those two things robocop's gonna show up he's not even gonna look he's just gonna go and shoot robocop in the head to shut him up <laughs> are you serious right now at least i've assimilated you look like shit <laughs> arnold meets himself he's like you look like shit Oh, it's him in Last Action Hero. Him oh. talking to himself. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's a great movie. Uh, yeah, I... Bring back the Clone of Orions. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Uh, any that's excuse good. to get them back in there, I'd be all for it. I, it, it needs to be future. I think that's the, that's the point, is keep it in the future. Don't bring it, don't bring it down right now. Yeah. It sucks here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, who's up? I think it's... Uh, I am, um... Well, we kind of touched on some of it, but um, what about Time Cop? Oh, so all I know of Time Cop is just the well, the, the, splits. the, splits. the splits in the that's, kitchen. That's yeah. all I know. That's most people. And admittedly, like it wasn't the best. I'm just saying, like I feel like they really left a lot of potential on the shelf with that one. Can you run me through it? Like, I kind of... Let me guess. He's a cop that goes back in time or goes forward in time. <laughs> if I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. But Jean-Claude Van Damme as a cop with a mullet who goes back in time via a rocket scooter or a rocket sled. Yeah, rocket sled. Um, basically, time travel is accessible to people now and they're using it to do Back to the Future 2 scams. Mm-hmm. And time cops exist to, to keep things aligned. To keep... De- they, deviations from the primary timeline from happening. Do they get back in time for cornflakes? <laughs> yes, they get back in time for cornflakes. <laughs> Sorry, it's one of the funniest lines from um, the movie. And then there's like a uh, some political plot where Ron Silver is using time travel to as- like assert himself politically. Like he's maneuvering himself into the proper position to gain power by mm-hmm. fucking with the timeline and that's when it all gets yeah. nobody remembers any of that now, my point is that like <laughs> the, premise. the basic premise yeah. you could do so much with like you don't it doesn't need to be a Van Damme movie as much as that pains me to say, <laughs> I was gonna say it's really? just more so it's a matter of like take him and make him like the hard boiled cop and make mm-hmm. it be one of those things where he's chasing these guys through all these different eras of history and John McClane you know, time cop well <laughs> Not so much that, but just like maybe like you know the like a classic like private eye kind of like mm-hmm. hard boiled and like you know I I just think like they really didn't do anything with it like no. really the only part they like the main thing they did with the time travel that I can recall is a sequence where he goes back to like the twenties where the guy's taking advantage of stock market crash and to gain a bunch of money. And then they end up executing him by throwing him out of building. Um, yeah, what happens is they like sort out the deviations of the timeline, and then his punishment is to be put right back where he was, which was in free fall from a building. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so he completes his fall. 
Well, isn't Van Damme, isn't he martial artist turned actor? Or is he just... He's like he's a more like gymnast turned well, martial he, artist he, turned... He, yeah, he was a model and a martial artist. Okay. He was a kickboxer. Sabat, I think, was his discipline. But yeah, he, he has a kickboxing background. Um, and then he was like an underwear model, like a Tommy Hilfiger guy or something. Do you think they went down the list of 80s action heroes and was just like, okay, can we get Arnold to do it? Like, nope, he was in Total Recall. It's kind of... It, well, this I think this close. movie was 100% pitched around that scene you remember. Okay, as so I was gonna say, like, like I, I think that that was all they conceived of, and then the rest they just wrote it out from that. Can we get Stallone to do it? No, I, I have a feeling it was a Stallone. You think um, it was Stallone? Because Demolition Man and so many of his '90s movies had that kind of flavor to it. I feel like Arnold was kind of in his own realm at this yeah. point. Like the '90s were not friendly to Stallone for the most part. I like some of his his '90s movies, but some of them were. Pretty fucking bad. I feel like Arnold just came to table reads with dumbbells, like just doing isolation <laughs> curls. Like. Well, I'm sure he had someone like reading it to him while he's just like, yeah, in an airpiece. I heard that was Last Action Hero that he had his 40 foot custom trailer, and like every 10 minutes, he would you would hear him screaming over the intercom, and somebody would have to run, <laughs> oh my run in, and he would just have all these rewrites for, like he Yeesh. butchered that script. Yeah, I was really? telling Kyle that a friend of yours like gave you some details about like that script having been like a oh it's it's well documented like it was literally written to be a parody of arnold but then they went and hired arnold and that was the problem you needed somebody who actually really was okay with making fun of themselves he does do it though no this was supposed to be like shitting on the whole concept of like that figure he didn't get the humor then like now arnold probably would think it's brilliant back then he didn't realize that like all of it was making fun of that kind of archetype that was so prevalent in movies because so he rewrote it to be just this super dumbed down like action movie with a few scenes like that so i rewatched it recently i had legitimate laughs watching it like, i still enjoy it yeah. i mean he's very charismatic and funny oh and charles dance that was the yeah. other yeah but um, it's just a matter of like he didn't get that like it was supposed again. to just skewer that whole thing mm, I'm gonna what, were we, yeah, what were we talking about <laughs> Time Cop. Time Cop. Yeah, I don't I don't know the movie well. I Well, it's just like these. I said, it's a basic premise. It's more so the thought of like you can have it's a detective who can find people throughout time. Realistically, it's probably better Minority served Report. as like a series. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, it's one of I'm It's probably like, better served as a series than like an actual movie, but I still think like the thought of just like people time travel in movies usually gets introduced and then they just kind of sweep it under the rug once it kind of sets up the plot. It's like everyone loves that in Terminator, you know, that there's always all this time shit, but we rarely actually see the time travel, yeah. you know. Uh, like, we pitched to Steven Seagal, like, like absolutely not. We're not, putting, we're not putting him through time. He's not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go right over. Oh, man. I watched, so I listened to a podcast, uh, Your Mom's House. Uh, it's comedian Tom Segura and his wife, who's also a comedian. Okay. Um... But he has some bits about Steven Seagal and his act, and he what they do is they'll watch they watch his movies, his new movies. Oh God! And they're reviewing some of his. Tra- I think I sent the Asian Connection. I think I sent you the trailer for that. There's another one that's even funnier. Like I want to watch these movies. China Salesman. Something else. Um, I can't think of what it Mercenary is. Mercenary for Justice. He does the same. Flip like that, that it's iconic. Like he grabs the knife and flips the dude over. Yeah, the wrist flip. Yep. That's all he's done it every single movie. I no, would say. he has a uh, 
<laughs> he has a fascination with playing snipers these days. Because he's so fast. You can be lazy. Because <laughs> he, he can sit. <laughs> I think he spends like 80% of these movies sitting. Um, he's probably 80-yard by someone else. And, uh, yeah, now he's doing movies with Mike Tyson. I've, I need to watch like, some of his newer movies. I just haven't seen I them. need to as well, because it's been a long time. He did a number of prison movies where he would break out his Ebonics that were quite, <sighs> yeah. quite amusing, so... Cocksucker motherfucker. <laughs> uh, um, I had one. I had one more that I asked you if you had, and it was uh, it was Mortal Kombat. Oh, but, uh, but no, that's all yours. But was, I, I was just gonna say, was there anything more about Time Cop? Um, no, no, it's it's a very straightforward. Like you can do anything with it. Yeah. That's why I think it's fascinating. Yeah, like, you, you I just meant... think it's a premise that was wasted on a sh- you know shitty action movie in that era yeah it's kind of a lesser action movie of that day um the time travel elements are definitely secondary to anything else going on in the movie and in fact they did have a tv series i think it was jason scott lee that starred in it hmm. you know brandon jason lee scott. jason scott lee <laughs> he's from hawaii so brandon lee. <laughs> jason scott lee um he was in a dragon the bruce lee story Oh, yep, thank he's you. the voice okay. of the, the dude in Lilo and Stitch, he's, the boyfriend. He's in the live-action Jungle Book movie. Yeah, Mowgli. He's in ba- uh, Balls Soldier. of Fury. Sol- yeah. Oh, he's in there. He's in Balls of Fury. Yeah, he was good in Soldier. He bulked up for that one. So, is that, that, I think that's actually a decent movie. Kurt Russell? Yeah. Okay. I think that's actually decent. Do we get the eye, the eye fish hook, basically? Yeah, he gets his one eye yanked. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember that one scene. And the dude going up the chain with his was, legs out. That was him. That was him? Oh, he was huge. Yeah, he was... He was jacked. He okay. did not look like Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> you did watch that. Oh, I was going to mention uh, Mortal Kombat because you are a huge video game fan. I'm not sure about you. Um, yeah, I like him. I think we've all grown yeah, up we, with... We were all there for yeah. Mortal Kombat. And Regardless and of how much you like games, we were all there for yeah, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> And I like the original movie. It's not good, but it's I still enjoy watching it. I but, own it. Um, I watched it like three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it this year. I've watched it this year. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious as to... I know you definitely would have some thoughts about the actual martial arts. Like the, oh. That's that's what I'm curious about. Like casting? Or no, not even style? casting. Like So the, 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 the movie does have a martial arts in it. It's not really great... Mm-mm. You get some some wall jumps. You get Liu Kang's kick. It's more like a little more fan service, I would say. Yeah. Um, but how would you, like? I'm curious as to how would you go about it. So this is this is tough actually. Mm-hmm. If they were to make a Mortal Kombat movie right now, that's a that's a uh, tough proposition mm-hmm. because we're kind of living in a golden age of martial arts on film right now. The number of stunt actors is kind of... It's kind of like stand-up comedians right now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really talented people out there right now. And the limits to which they've pushed fight choreography and stuff, the standard is much higher than mm-hmm. it was during, like, what, 95, 96? Yeah, when when like the that. first Mortal Kombat movie came out? You could get away with that then. Now, if you have an entire film dedicated to martial arts, it better be fucking good. <laughs> like, you can't fake that shit. Um... And now we have uh, these the, the raid, as I say, it kind of changed everything. It changed the standard. This happens every few years in martial arts and movies. Like, um, there was a movie from Hong Kong called SPL. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I 
said you're gonna have to catch up on it at some oh. point. Um, <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> uh, so this was like 2005, I think, and MMA was just starting to pick up mm-hmm. internationally. So you have Hong Kong style choreography, but incorporating like jujitsu and and judo and and more grappling techniques and stuff, and just that sense of reality where when people get hit it hurts and it causes damage um that was 2005 Mm -hmm. the raid was like 2008 2009 or something and as more time passes we're just getting better and better at putting violence on screen and uh the raid movies in particular though what they bring to the table is violence like actual like bloodletting and just gore and violence and that's what mortal kombat's foundation is built on so i think there would be some pressure like if you were to release a Mortal Kombat movie right now, you would probably have to have that raw edge to it, where it's like, holy shit, this is super bloody and super intense and violent, as opposed to what the games have done, and always done, is goofy, cartoony, like it's fucking like Looney Tunes, mm. but with this like brand new graphical coat of paint that makes everything photorealistic, but the energy behind it, the mm-hmm. intent behind it, is kind of like. It's like watching a Friday the 13th movie. It's not scary. No. It's just meant to make you, like, <laughs> like when someone dies. I was going to say, like, so how much would you, like, try to balance story, martial arts, and gore? Because especially with the Mortal Kombat X, you're gonna, like, that's gonna be part of your audience is gonna well, come from... topping the gore of those games is, like... That's like an insurmountable task if you're trying to make a film. It's going to be difficult. Like that's you got to balance. Well, you're not going to be able to get your story. In. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think you've mentioned in a couple of instances when we talked, especially about some of these shitty action movies. Like you really only need like one or two iconic ones that'll stand out in people's mind. The rest don't really need to be ultra violent. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really, all you throw one spine rip in there and you're good for yeah. violence quota. True. I think in terms of Mortal Kombat too, like they had those YouTube movies that came out yeah. that really kind of set the. I mean, if you add a good choreographer to those, I think that's about as good as you can get mm-hmm. in terms of doing Mortal Kombat in a, a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can take them either way. I can see. I liked them when they first came out. I haven't watched them in a while, but. I don't really think there's much else you can do outside of that because I think it had the perfect balance of being gritty and dark, but at the same time having enough things that kind of lent itself to that cartoonish atmosphere the video game's supposed to have. Was Michael J. White in the 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 was it the, the videos? YouTube thing that my brother yeah. mentioned? Yeah. Yeah, he plays Jax. I was gonna say he'd have to. I, I mean, who else are you gonna? Play? Yeah, exactly. Who else <laughs> is gonna play Jax? Um, Mm, he's too. I think he would be too young, but Michael J. White would be too old. But uh, Michael B. Jordan. Uh, yeah, he could do it. He could do it. I mean, he's a great actor either way, and he has the physicality, obviously. Um, that Trevante Rhodes guy, I think, uh, from The Predator. Um, Can he fight? Is he? Is he I mean, he stuff? looks like he's. He's physically. It looks fit. like he's yeah. physical, but yeah. I don't know about fighting and stuff. But you could teach that. But um, I think he was actually being kicked around as as like. Jax's son or something because there is a Mortal Kombat film in development there is okay Um, and I think like they're looking for a black gentleman to lead the cast Scott Atkins could be Sub-Zero I could (laughs) honestly like well I mean 
<laughs> well, and that's the way you get around the martial arts choreography is there are a number of characters you don't even need to know who's playing them. Yeah. yeah. Hell, they don't even have to speak for the character. Like, you can have... He'd want to be Scorpion. Well, the tricky part, like I said, about doing a Mortal Kombat movie right now, I think, is the standards are higher. For If you're yeah. going to put the martial arts label on your film, there's a movie that just came out to Netflix that I'm nope. demanding that both of you fucking oh, watch. I thought you asked me if I'd seen it. <laughs> like, demanding no, that both of you watch this because I can't. It's called The Night Comes For Us. It's supposed to... It's made by an Indonesian crew. Um, one of the people that was involved in the making of The Raid, he did a movie called Headshot that's pretty good. It's not as good as The Raid, but it's good. Um, it's supposed to raise the bar just another notch. Seven ninety nine a month. All movies you like to watch, dude. All those B... <laughs> you see that shelf? You see how many fucking movies are on there? I don't need more Seven, media. Seven ninety nine a month, and you get all those movies that you mentioned. All of them. They're well, all on there. Please, I'm demanding that both of you watch this because I can't, and I'm like just... <laughs> I'm gonna, about it, I'm gonna watch it. I'm not gonna tell you a thing about it. I'm just gonna rate it one without watching it. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> just to ensure that no future Indonesian films oh, get financed funny. by Netflix. Oh, we're gonna single handedly <laughs> the two votes again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think you can rate on there anymore. I think Amy Schumer's special uh, got such yeah. horrible ratings that they took it off. You can't rate it anymore. Yeah, I, it's either there or you can't comment. I think it, it might. Or maybe be. it was the comments. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can still rate, but it, the rating is more about what you're seeing. Let alone that broke Netflix. It like, did. It did. <laughs> That's how bad wow. it was. Yeah, I didn't because I, I was, I was so not much, aware of that. So much hatred that they uh, just ditched the whole idea. Damn. There's some joke theft in there too. Ooh, yeah. Can't be doing that. No. Yeah. yeah I, what the point I'm trying to make here is that in the age of Mortal Kombat, the original '95, mm. around there. Um, it was excusable to have a one to two minute skirmish mm-hmm. serve as your climax. As long as people are punching each other and the dun, 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 music yeah. is playing, yeah. everybody's happy. Nowadays, though, you have kids watching fucking Netflix and they have The Raid and you have a ten minute throwdown yeah. that's just balls to the wall, nothing but fighting, no dialogue exchanged. I think there's... I think there's a standard that you need to at least attempt to do that if you're going to put the martial arts label on your high-budget Hollywood movie. <laughs> well, I think, too, like, you're also, to kind of bring it back to things we originally discussed, but um, movies now are kind of being made with our opinions in mind more so than ever yeah. because we're in that right age where we're spending money and we're having kids and we're wanting to share what we like with them so obviously they want to gear all media and entertainment towards that to breed a new generation of people who want to watch time cop 2 and fucking you know <laughs> the neck beards are finally <laughs> procreating well no it's, it's that they realize that all these kids who were hiding in their basement and fucking playing video games and shit like that actually have money to spend yeah and actually take this shit seriously versus when the first mortal Kombat movie came out like they thought it was going to be a failure. They were just like, well, the video game's popular in the arcades, and I've had a few... Fuck it. My kids like it, so fuck it. Let's try this out and yeah. see how it does, because they did the same thing with Street Fighter and fucked it all up, because <laughs> I they had no that. idea what they were dealing with, because they just were like, well, this is a property that seems to have some buzz. Let's make some cash off it. It's the story of Noah's Arcade. But, Noah. the, di- <laughs> but the difference is now, like, we get people who actually are like going into it who have played every game and actually have a vision for what they want to see compared to before where it's just some music video director who it's like okay your cast is 
a model, a B-movie actor, some random Aussie guy, and Asians because they come cheap in this era. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. Jesus. Because that's literally what it was, and it yeah. worked because, you know, all us kids were, like, excited. that Like, hey, they actually made a movie about something I'm interested in versus just trotting out the garbage westerns my old man's making me watch, you know? Oh, yeah. And I'm sure all the studios were aware that, like, Super Mario was being made and stuff and like do you think street fighter would have more would have more success or do you think oh man that's the funny thing about fighting game series is they're all so long in the tooth now that the canon is just oh it's just cancer it just keeps growing i would say soul Calibur would have the best bet of any fighting game well i mean we got a warcraft movie aesthetically that's basically what it would look like is just a bunch of floating heads on CGI bodies. <laughs> would, street, would Street Fighter be harder to do because... Uh, street Fighter, if you made it... I mean, Street Fighter also got like a, a YouTube-type series. It was decent. I mean, without pissing off the neckbeards because I... Um, I feel like I feel like that one would piss people off more. That's what I'm saying because I... Mortal Kombat's like... Yeah. There's a podcast I listen to and they did a, uh, they did critiqued the Street Fighter movie and they didn't know their they didn't know their I stuff. I had trouble listening to he, that at times because I was like that's it, wrong. It was like the, the episode after that they're like yeah we ate shit like their Twitter just blew up from what? people cr- critiquing them. I was gonna say Street Fighter doesn't translate well to cinema because it's kind of it's so on that fringe of being racist. That <laughs> And it's okay with a video game that's obviously very Japanese and just kind of supposed to be goofy and just, but Street Fighter directed by Mel Gibson. But you put that, yeah, you put that on (laughs) on film and it just gets weird. And that was one of the things that kind of hindered the original movie. The original one had like satirical elements and stuff. It was all over the place. But I think to do Street Fighter right, what you do is you just make blood sport. You yeah, more of... You just dumb it down. You, you have it. to actually focus on the fighting tournament, yeah, which you, they you didn't make it, do. You make it the plot of Street Fighter 1, where it's just street, it's Ryu versus Sagat. And it's a tournament that he goes around the world fighting people. And, and when I say it's it's kind of race, like, it's dumb. Now they've done ways to make it work a lot more... Well, yes and no. Now we have Turkish oil wrestlers. We still have T-Hawks. So it's and like... Of course, the Korean lady is pure evil. <laughs> but I'm just saying like everyone's just kind of like supposed to be these stereotypes to represent gotcha. wherever they're coming from and it, it doesn't really translate well to trying to turn it so into a... Mortal Kombat is less racist? Oh yeah. By I far. think so. I mean Mortal Kombat has that weird like it has that weird like chop sake kind of feel to it where it's kind of like like uh yeah it's like the Wu-Tang Clan kind of stuff like the Shaw Brothers kind of stuff where mm-hmm. you can tell that it was inspired by those movies from like the late 60s and stuff where it has that hokey feel to it ooh you just, okay so late 60s early 70s but like that kind of grainy uh kind of uh kind of shots but Mortal Kombat I would love that. Like, mm-hmm. I would, I would adore that. Like, like just, I'm just imagining the choreography where it's like the timing of it's like, ha ha ha. But ha, ha, I'm ha, saying ha, use, ha. <laughs> use a filter like that, or use that like grainy. Did you see House of the Devil? Have you have House you, of the Devil? No. Tom Noonan's like from 2009. No. It's it's shot from the like it's supposed to be from the 80s. Like all the the sets, the outfits, uh, but even the 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 actual 
um, filter that they have over it looks eighties, and it's it's kind of neat. and the editing too. Mm. It's it's really interesting well, to watch. Ima- I like this idea. Like imagine Mortal Kombat, but with the quality of costumes from the first game. Like yeah, <laughs> like like make it look shitty. And and have like really shitty prosthetic effects when people get their arms torn off and like blood hoses and stuff. Totally good. <laughs> I kind of like the one thing I do like about the original too is the fact that they actually had jobbers in it. Like, so, <laughs> ah, Goro, <laughs> those two guys, the two, guys, the two brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but I just think that that was one thing that you yeah. could do if you ever were to actually make a, a Mortal Kombat movie again like rather than have all the characters that now exist like yeah. you, you're obviously gonna have to pare that way down yeah so you pare it way down but then you throw out these generic like guys and geese that just get ripped apart so you can see all the vulture violence but then it makes the fight between the actual iconic figures all that much more exciting I think a lot of it too for me for me anyway is I just want to see the tournament yeah i like tournaments that's what tournaments i was wondering cool because i i know that's what you would want and that's why i was asking you about mortal Kombat. because i'm like how much of it would it be tournament how much do, so, the, you have to introduce the characters then there's those characters are iconic like, each one of them has their own look and they're gonna have to have some kind of a backstory so it's gonna be in a two two and a half hour long movie to introduce characters then have a tournament well, you could easily make like a netflix series where what you do is, is what you do in a tournament story is you build relationships in between the fights, and then w- when I watched this movie most recently, I was watching it with a friend, and I pointed out that you know there was something kind of clever that they could have done that they didn't mm-hmm. is uh, you could have had Liu Kang fight Johnny Cage, okay, and have a situation where maybe Johnny Cage has the upper hand or he sees an opening that he doesn't take because he realizes this is for the fate of the world yeah i'm just gonna throw the fight and not tell him kind of you punch me in the and it shows character development on johnny cage's part because his whole story arc is that he has no humility and he's a blowhard Mm -hmm. so you show him take a fall for the greater good and that's what a tournament does though is there's there's brackets and stuff but it, there's no guarantee that you can make a friend and not fight them like at some point you get paired up with someone that maybe you don't want to fight and in like a tv series format or something you can tell you can do the fucking episode where it's like and now sonya's story for 30 minutes <laughs> and then you know the guys in the audience are like fuck there wasn't even a fight in that episode <laughs> this is bullshit <laughs> i can't I don't know. I just can't think of a tournament setting that isn't cheesy. Like, you have to be in a... Like they do in the first Mortal Kombat. Like, you're in a different world. You're in Outworld. Like, are they in Outworld technically, or is that a different realm? In the first movie, it's on Earth. They get to Outworld at the end. But where the fuck... Where they're at, there's no... It's it's (laughs) Thailand is where they're at. Yeah, it it is Thailand. (laughs) Where they're at. But... Clearly, they're It was just... Asia. Yeah, <laughs> they should have had a, an actual title on the screen. Asia, <laughs> Japan. But where they're at, he remember he looks at the compass and it's spinning. Yeah. He's like, they take the boat to like their island, which maybe it's like a maybe it's like a joint owned island or something. It's but, a timeshare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a timeshare between Outworld and, and and Earth from March to May. That's why they World had to bring Goro in, because their days were almost up. So they were like, <laughs> shit, we're running out of time. Yeah. we still got, like, 20 fights. Yeah, yeah. Shang Tsung's, he, like, pointing at his He watch. takes up two seats. We got like, we got to hurry up and get He's this like, car now. Get the shit done. <laughs> got to be up by noon on Thursday. <laughs> it's like, I got the jet loaded up. Well, got to go now. I'm going to go see if the, if the 
Mortal Kombat movie ever does come out, I'll definitely go see that in theaters. I would too. That and if Spawn. If speaking if of things I gotta see in the theater, and this is not a gotta, but I feel an obligation to. I kind of feel like I need to see Venom. I do too. I I'm getting that feeling because when I, like I had a, a like a come to Jesus moment with myself <laughs> where I was like, if I was like eight years old right now and a Venom movie came out, I'd already be. Already, I would be there. I'd already be done because even as a little kid, I never conceived of them doing that. I was like, that's not good. Well, that. It sounds like you're going to have to wake up at 9am again on a Saturday <laughs> and <laughs> drive to Woodenville <laughs> just to see this thing because oh, it, it's I, probably on its way out. <laughs> I, I would venture is. a guess. Actually, yeah. I'm going to go ahead talk amongst yourself. I'm going to just look and see if Venom is even playing in the greater Seattle well, area. <laughs> I think I covered all the ones I could think okay. of. Well, Mortal Kombat was just one I thought of. No, no, it, it's, a, it's a good one, but I, I think I'm tapped out. It's still playing in Seattle. That's a good sign, okay, I guess. Okay, well, perhaps we will catch up on it. It's two hours and 20 fucking minutes. Bull fucking shit. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll wait till it comes to Eight-year-old Trevor would be throwing a fit. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Why isn't it is over? Sounds like there's a lot more Tom Hardy and a lot less Venom. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, so. um, well, I mean, the rumor going around is, well, it's not even a rumor. It's Tom Hardy slipped out to some reporter that like like all my favorite parts were cut from the movie <laughs> it's like oh that's that's, that's what you want to hear yeah that's what you want to hear before you go see a movie from the star oh, of it oh no. jeez <laughs> yeah well anyway uh that was a good session yeah. we got a lot of good pitches hopefully nobody steals them and profits immensely from them we're gonna be in five years we're gonna see that new batman trailer and then we're gonna be like Fuck! Starring Jake Gyllenhaal as Batman. Gyllenhaal <laughs> and the Cagey Beast. Time <laughs> Cop, original Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> and CGI Michael Wincott, because he'll be dead by then. 